You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. Back to the drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, a friend of the show, Cynthia Freeland, has put out a list of the NFL's most underappreciated players. Yeah, one for every team. Both I thought it was a good AFC list. AFC and NFC. And, uh, well, I think if you look at the Steelers roster, there would be a lot of guys who could maybe potentially be on that list. I think a lot in the last segment we had, you know, we were talking about Tunch and BJ Finney. I think there's some offensive linemen that could very well be on that list. I think you'd a, go with like four offensive right. linemen. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody and, not named David DeCastro is underappreciated. Yeah, underappreciated because they're all not getting a whole lot of respect from the national media. I can say that. Yeah. Um, now, her choice for the Steelers, I'm looking here at the uh, at the AFC side of things right now, is Alex Highsmith. Yeah, and she has some good data backing it up. Yeah. I, I read this. I mean, She's very nerdy about <laughs> his get-off and his shoulder squareness and things like that I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, she said uh, in his rookie season, the third-rounder made a tackle on nearly 10% of his snaps. It was a 9.9% tackle rate. That was the second highest rate among edge defenders last season with a minimum of 400 snaps. Yeah, right. Uh, she said, while I don't expect that his rate to stay that high, with the departure of Bud Dupree, he'll be playing a higher volume of snaps and have a more visible role that will command more attention, but I do expect big things to continue. The two main reasons for that. In terms of his speed in his first three yards traveled, Highsmith was in the top 10% in 2020. Which is pretty amazing. I mean, Something he, he said when we talked to him last right, week yeah. was that he wanted to work on his get-off. Well, Without his get-off question. is already pretty good. Now, maybe, it, you know, when you're measuring it against... Watt and Dupree, who had who also have to be very high they were they were number they were tied for first last right, year right. in that in that get off time. So you're looking at them going, well, these guys get off really fast. I got to get as fast as them, mm-hmm. even though your your get off is still pretty good on its own. That can't be an accident. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I wonder, sort of a chicken of the egg situation. If we had Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin here giving them truth serum, would they say that's one of the absolute first things we look for well, when we draft that position or? Is that the thing we value the most, period? Is that the thing we try to develop the most? You know, you said they practice it a ton. Every day. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. Do other teams? I don't know the answer to that. I, I, mean, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I only know this one does every single day during their warm-ups. You can't tell me it's an accident that they have three uh, three guys in the top 10%. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're either get, you know, have a really high baseline when they get here or they're being developed like crazy with their get-off. Yeah. Or they just have those traits in the, to, you know, to build off of. But this is great for... For Highsmith. Yeah. Her number two reason why. His hips stayed, maybe you can explain this as a scout. His hips stayed facing the quarterback even after contact at a rate in the top 15%. She said this helps predict recovery and pursuit of pressure. Yeah. (laughs) You're not getting knocked offline, I guess would be the way to explain that. You know, I, I think... This this metric is new, and, she, and she's really, really involved with it. And I've had a conversation with her, too, about it, too. I mean, she judges. If you just look at the 
hip to hip on, on a human being and use that as a flat surface, basically. Right. I think she's determining a lot with, is that parallel line of scrimmage, perpendicular line of scrimmage, uh, perpendicular to your target, which in this case is the quarterback. I know she does a lot with it with corners and receivers to judge separation. Uh, I think she does the same thing with pass rush and pass rushers. You know, how you, how, you know, I think I'm more from an offensive tackles perspective that if you get your hips too far, far turned up field, then you're susceptible you're to easier to ride move, out, yeah. or if you can't flip your hips and get open, you're going to go right around you. So uh, I'm not exactly sure how to interpret it for a pass rusher, but my thoughts originally just reading that sentence are he's got his hips aligned on his target that's not always going to stay there. So yeah. if you have to move left or right, you don't have to move as far left or right to adjust to your target is, yeah. one, is one thing I'm thinking about with well, that. Well, you, you keep your base underneath you mm-hmm. at a, at a, and you stay on target. It could be more like, you know, kind of like the, the basketball analogy where, you know, when you're telling somebody, hey, this, you're, when you're guarding somebody, I would say basketball defense. You're watching, you're watching essentially his belly button. Mm-hmm. Everything else that happens, that's going to tell you where he's going. Yeah. I always taught my uh, flag football kids, just stare at his belt buckle. You yeah. Because all the juking and all this other stuff will, will send you wrong as a tackler. But yeah. I, I think it's really true as a, a basketball defender, for sure. Yeah, but Highsmith's definitely a good one on there. I think he's been, you know, and I asked him about this, uh, you know, when we talked to him last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was now. Um, you know, if he saw all the national reports out there saying, you know, the Steelers needed to draft an outside linebacker in yeah, the first right, round. Right. Or we saw edge. a lot of those. And there was a lot. And he said, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to think of it. And mm-hmm. obviously they didn't. Right, no, you know, they didn't. And waited a while. He was a six-round pick on, pick on uh, Quincy Roche. I mean, they, they feel like he's the guy. Oh, I think that's very clear. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a lot. It wouldn't blow me away if they brought a veteran in still, but not as a starter. I mean, right. as a rotational player. And that's the thing people need to understand. Right. When when they're talking about, well, they need to sign this guy or that guy. Is that guy going to want to come in as a backup? That's the other part of it. Yeah. You, know, that, that you have to look at it that way. Okay, yeah, they could they could go make a pitch to sign Justin whoever. Or, yeah. yeah, right, right. Any of those guys. But is that guy going to want to come in at this point in his career and say, okay, I'm going to be a backup to Alex Highsmith? I want to play – we can guarantee you 300 snaps a year. There'll be high volatile pass rush snaps, and that's swell and all. But I'm not sure he probably is. But is Justin Houston even a better pass rusher than Highsmith at this stage? I mean, I don't know if they need an upgraded pass rusher, a designated, you know, a DPR, a designated yeah. pass rusher. I think they just need someone to help the load with snaps. You know, right. now if somebody gets hurt, that's a different well, story. That's absolutely true, but. Watt checks himself out a fair amount as stars go. I mean, he, you know, I'm going to take a breather for two snaps. Well, who's that guy, you know? Yeah. So there aren't even going to be all high-leverage situations. They could be second and one. Right, right. Um, so let's take a look here across the rest of the AFC and see who she designates. Yeah, I really like this article. There were some good names on it. Uh, for the Ravens, it's J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure on him this year that wasn't there last there year. There is. But you and I, he was our favorite back in – I think he's got a chance. To, I mean, she's saying underrated. I mean, I think yeah. she thinks he could be a star. Yeah, which we thought as well. Yeah, for the Buffalo Bills, it's Jordan Jordan Poyer. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. Being yeah, a high I think, quality, yeah, he's season. he's a really good football player for a, a nice stretch of time now too. Yeah. Uh, for the Bengals, it's Jesse Bates. I think he's starting to get. I think more, he's starting to get the recognition. Yeah. it's hard to be underrated in the world now. Like, yeah. 
When we were growing up and before Twitter and everything, there was underrated people left and right. Yeah, no, I mean, Aeneas Williams was a fantastic cornerback. <laughs> right, 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 right. He just played for the for the Cardinals his entire career. Nobody heard of him. Right, he'd go to Pro Bowls and the, the league respected him. Yeah. And then you realize he was one of the best corners of that generation. Right. Back, you know, Hall of Famer. This next one, for the Browns, Wyatt Teller. He's not underrated. Not I'm anymore. The, the, yeah. the cat's out of the bag. He's really good. Uh, in fact, I don't know who you would mention for the Browns. As being on uh, right, right now, fan. the entire Browns team might be overrated. Right, I say there's some teams <laughs> that are hard. You know, yeah. If I was a Browns fan, I would wish it would be one of the young linebackers or something. Yeah, like, boy, in spot, you could, spot I mean, time. You, you could have gone with like say Rashad Higgins there. I was thinking Higgins too. Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, for the Denver Broncos, Cortland Sutton. And I think her logic is he's great. Just don't forget he, it. He missed the entire season yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah. For the Houston Texans, it's Jordan Atkins. Who's not bad, actually. He's not bad. Yeah. He's not bad. They drafted a tight end, but it was late. Um, the dude out of Miami. But I think Atkins is okay. You know, he, he would help any team. Yeah. For the Colts, it's the great Mo Alley Cox. <laughs> <laughs> he was on my tight end list. I mean, he's not a bad player. <laughs> uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Brandon Linder. He was really high on my center list, actually. Yeah. I'm glad she, she recognized that as well. That's a perfect example, kind of getting forgotten. He's, that's the Aeneas Williams conversation. Yeah. Not that he's going to the Hall of Fame or anything, but you're never going to hear Linder yeah. as a top six center. Uh, for the Chiefs, it's Derek uh, Nandi. Pure run-suffer type, but complements Chris Jones really well. Yeah, Totally opposite body type, old-school throwback, Steelers-type nose tackle. Uh, for the Raiders, it's Jonathan Hankins. Similar, but he's stood the test of time. Yeah. You know, he's bounced around a few teams. Sign some smaller contracts. Like, I'll take Jonathan Hankins for a couple million a year. For the Chargers, it's Uchena Nwasu. Yeah, and we've talked about this, and I do think it's a major area of concern is pass rusher opposite Bosa. But if we were in, you know, Charger Nation radio, we may be He'd be, be like, the guy you're talking he's about. The he's, he's their Alex Heisman. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly who he is. He's, a pretty he's never played more dude. than 169 snaps in a season. And he's like, been he's a little older. I mean, he's third year, I think. Yeah. But I think he was a second or third round pick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's his time. For the Dolphins, Miles Gaskin. Anyone fantasy relevant hard to be underrated. Yeah. But he was good. It wasn't just he got a lot of touches. Yeah. yeah he was. He, he did a lot with them in a not great situation last year. I don't agree with this one either. For the Patriots, she has Jonathan Jones. Yeah. People rave. Uh, like, when you every time you turn on a Patriots game, that's all you – Jonathan Jones, Jonathan Jones. Yeah. He's given up six touchdowns. You know, it's like yeah. he was very hit and miss last year. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, I don't know where he's, quote, rated. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, was, I, I considered him a pretty good player, but – um, I guess he's not a household name. I'm sure there's some people out there going, what position does he play? He's a corner. He's a cornerback. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the Jets, Jonathan Franklin Myers. Yeah, he's not bad. Their whole D-line is a little better than people think. I think Quinn Williams is on the verge of stardom, and people just look at him as, ah, he was okay. Um, Lawson, I think, has been underrated. Yeah. That whole group isn't so bad. They think it's Quinn and the Jets, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for the Titans, the great Anthony Ferkser. Uh, he didn't make my top 25 tight end list. Maybe he will next year. Maybe he will He's going to get an year. opportunity. He's getting an opportunity. He's fine. Uh, another player who could have been easily listed among this uh, for the Steelers would have been Chase Claypool. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I think, 
you know, he was the second round pick last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Highsmith was the third. Um, had a chance to talk to Chase Claypool yesterday. Let's hear what uh, Claypool had to say okay. about uh, what his expectations are for 2021. Uh, let's start with Brooke Pryor of ESPN. Hey, Chase. Um, looking back at the offense last season, you guys were using a lot of Matt Canada's concepts early and then seemed to kind of go away from it as the season progressed. How much better and more effective can the offense be when you have an entire offseason to install and stick with it through an entire season? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's pretty easy to transition into it because, you know, similar concepts like we've been running earlier on in last season. So it's not too much of a learning curve. And I think it's just nice because we'll be able to stick with it throughout the season. Jim Colony. All right, we'll come back to Jim. Mark Caboli. Hey, Chase. Um, obviously, you had a big impact last year as a rookie. But when you look at your snap counts, they weren't really – up there with, you know, the top-level guys in the league. I mean, you're looking at probably 20 less per per game. Can you get to that point where you're taking 60, 65 snaps, or is that hard to do with some of the guys who are already on your team and established? Um, no, I was uh, – physically I was good to go for, um, you know, as many snaps as they need me for. But uh, it all depends on the scheme and what they're trying to do in the game plan. Um, you know, sometimes my snaps will be higher, sometimes they'll be less. So as long as I'm playing a little bit, I'll be all right, make an impact. Mike Brazuda. Following that up, Chase, uh, Mike Tomlin said about two-thirds of the way through last year that they kind of dialed you down on purpose just to make sure you'd be functioning at a high level at the end of the season, you know, sort of a hedge against the rookie wall. Now that you're a second-year guy, uh, no need for that, I would assume, and uh, you're willing to uh, to go as long and as often as as necessary. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't really uh, I didn't really feel a rookie wall, but I think it was more coach getting ahead of it potentially. If uh, you know he knew it was going to come, like you know, like a little bit near the end of the season, so I think he wanted knowing that we're probably going to be in playoffs at that point. Uh, I think he was just trying to keep some guys up. Christopher Carter. <clears throat> Chase, you came onto the scene pretty strong last year, scoring a lot of touchdowns, you know, connected for big plays. And, you know, all your teammates saw what you were doing, what you were doing going into your rookie season. What have you worked on in the offseason just on your own that you brought to OTAs and that you're kind of trying to hone your game? And what are the things you've been focusing on in that department? Um, off the field, I've been strengthening my the little uh, deficiencies in my body. So I've really been working on the right side of my body. Uh, since I'm left side dominant, I think I've a little more balance in that area. And then on the field, um, me and TJ Hushmanzada do a lot of the same things that we did last year because, you know, it works. So there's no way to no reason to veer off of that road. So just kind of doing the things that have worked and throwing out the stuff that hasn't. Aditi Kinkwala. Hey, Chase. Um, yesterday, the Browns head coach was talking about how awesome it is to actually get to work with the rookies. And obviously, since you couldn't do this work a year ago, it didn't necessarily hold you back so much. 
But being here in the spring, what's the advantage to that? What's happening this time of year? What do you see with the rookies that you just feel gives you something extra? I think it's great in terms of like installing plays and getting the timing down and just like communication, being around some of the younger guys. I know when I came in as a rookie, I didn't know like anybody. So it was like kind of hard to talk to people about some things like what's going on in the offense or like just sit down and eat with them just because, you know, you don't want to intrude. So I think it'll be good for the rookies once it's come time for the season. They'll be comfortable with everyone and there'll be more chemistry. Joe Rutter. Yeah, so Chase, so Chase, do you feel that uh, you know there's going to be a target on you this year since you did so well as a rookie that uh, teams will maybe be trying to find ways to you know emphasize stopping you? Yeah, I think they started doing that towards the second half of the year, uh, you know. But I think it's good because you know guys like Deontay, Juju, James, and Ray Ray can really go off. And now that we have Najee in the in the mix, it'll be it'll be fine. So if they put two or cloud me, then um fine with that as long as the other guys are eating. Brian Backo. If Chase, to think back to a couple months ago, um, how surprised were you that Juju uh, re-signed here? Were you uh, ex expecting that or uh, maybe anticipating having a, a bigger role in the offense? Just uh, take me through your reaction to, to getting him back. I was, I think a lot of people um, were expecting him not to come back, not because he didn't want to, because of the cat space situation. Um, but we all knew he really wanted to come back. We just didn't know if it was possible. So when he came back, I was excited because not only is he a good friend, um, good player, just a good teammate too. Um, you know, he does a lot for us. So always good to have a guy like that in the building. Jim Colony, we have you. Yeah, I'm here. I'm back in the room now. Um, yeah, Chase, Ben was bragging the other day on his basketball game, how he had the receivers over at his house. Uh, were you part of that group? Uh, you weren't there? Damn it. Uh, so you can't talk I was, about I was there. Oh, but you, I we weren't, there. You, you weren't part of the pig game, or, or how did that go? No, I was um, – I had um, – I think I had worked out right before I went there, so my upper body was a little sore, so I missed a couple of shots. Uncharacteristic. <laughs> uh, let's go to Rich Walsh. <laughs> Chase, uh, sticking with Ben, um, I wanted to ask you, are you glad he decided to come back? And also, how has your relationship with him developed over the last couple of years? Oh, I'm definitely happy he came back. There's very few quarterbacks in the league that could come in and, you know, bring, um, you know, that savviness and that football knowledge. Probably he might be one of two, um, you know, who could bring that knowledge and make the transition into the league easier and then, you know, make everyone else's job easier. And what was the second part of that question? I, I wanted. I was asking you about how your relationship developed from last year to this year with him. Yeah, I think it's a lot more friendly. Uh, less talk, talk about football, more talk about just like random things going on, more jokes being said back and forth, a lot more fun out of that. All right, we've got time for a few more. Uh, Alan Saunders. Jason, I mean, last year you didn't have these OTAs. You're also dealing with, you know, kind of the pandemic and, and being here uh, with your family, not really able to visit. And just uh, how much more comfortable and, and you know, uh, secure, I guess, in, in your life are you right now than you maybe were a year ago? And, and how does that impact the way you think uh, you can play in the football field? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely in the routine of being, um, you know, NFL football player. 
last year in the draft process, I was still kind of housed with my agency. Um, and, you know, still kind of went through them, but this year was, I was like completely independent on my off season plans, training, getting to places. Um, it was tough not being able to see my family. I went after the, after the game, but, um, you know, I'd like to come go back and forth and visit them a little bit. So I just got to wait till the quarantine stuff chills out, but, uh, they're excited to come down and watch a game. Ray Fittipaldo. Hey, Chase, there's been a lot of discussion um, about the lack of the deep passing game last year. Is there anything that you guys can do as a receivers group to help end out or as an offense, um, you know, to help that improve this year? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, me especially, but we all, we all can, um, you know, obviously we have to, like, complete those contested catches. I know I had a couple that I could have came down with. And then um, just being, we were on the same page timing. So continuing to work off that and um, getting more separation downfield, obviously the more, the better. Um, staying healthier uh, down the stretch will always help. And then uh, last one, uh, time, uh, Mark Aboli. Hey, hey Chase, uh, all we've heard throughout this off season so far has been the emphasis on the run game and the physicality. Uh, that they want to bring back. Has that trickled down to your position group at all where you're seeing uh, a different message than maybe years past or at least last year for you? Uh, definitely. I think we're going to be, um, you know, we're not just going to be blocking corners and stuff. We're going to be coming down the box and trying to help out in some run run schemes and run fits. So I think uh, we're excited for that. I know maybe Ray Deontay is excited to block a linebacker, but, um, you know, we're going to have 30. That was Chase Claypool, uh, who I think you could certainly put on that list of Steelers who uh, underrated, underrated breakout, yeah. you know, second year like High Smith, like we opened that. It's funny because on my way here, as I do every Friday, I had a conversation with Stan Saverin, and we ended the conversation. He said, "Matt, I just saw your wide receiver ranks, and you only have Deontay in there, and he's at the very bottom of your top twenty-five. He's twenty-fourth or twenty-fifth, something like that." He said, "How close are?" It's Claypool, really. I mean, we mentioned Juju, but how close is Claypool to being in those ranks? And I thought, man, he was on my original list. You know, I just write any name that could possibly make it. You know, I scribbled him down, but he got scratched off it. So he's a, a near miss already. I fully expect him to be in the top 25 next year. And that's not like my top 25 running backs or guards or tight ends. That's, that's a, in a really hard deep group. list yeah. to be on. You know, think about the leap. That one of the guys that he's compared with the most, DK Metcalf made from, yeah. from year one to year two. Right, right. Um, you know, the, you kind of learn the route tree a little bit more. What's expected? If you think about his routes, I think you sent this to me uh, a couple weeks ago. His mm -hmm. his route tree, a lot of it was you know just straight go routes. Just a lot of go routes the, on the right the side. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, and they didn't hit on a lot of those. They didn't. I mean, for people that don't know. I think this is a telling stat. I mean, he was at the top of the league in pass interference yards created, which doesn't help your fantasy team and isn't right. in the box score and is on the back of his football card. But guard. it's impactful. That. But it's just <laughs> as impactful as catching the ball and falling out of bounds. Yeah. Um, so that threat remained. I also think, and I'm not giving Ben a hard time, but I bet Ben's, not his arm strength, but his control of the deep ball, you know, putting it exactly where yeah. he wants with the amount of arc, I bet that was more affected by his surgery than the arm strength or ability to get it in the neighborhood. You know, yeah. as opposed. So I think that'll get better, just with more control of the football. 
Um, but I think his, his route tree's set to develop. I mean, and I'm glad he mentioned blocking in the run game. I thought that I had high hopes for him as a rookie, and I thought he fell a little short on that, as did all the receivers. But it was a tough situation. They were often blocking linebackers and things like that. But, boy, I mean, you get a guy like him, and Metcalf will do this with, too, just quick slants where he shields a defender, maybe doesn't come out of his breaks as well as A.B. or Michael Thomas or these slant masters. They don't have to. They don't have to. He's yeah. bigger. It's like getting a rebound, and then that guy's got to get him on the ground. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Even if he just hops on his back, he drags him five more yards. Or, you know, he trying to, tries to get a hand on him, and he's moving so fast because both right. of those guys can run. Yeah, right. Um, he starts to open it, it up. It's a little different than tackling, a, a, you know, a, a guy who's that big who runs a four six or a Welker out of the slot yeah. or one of those type of guys. You got to get him on the ground, yeah. right? Just it, get him the football with a little bit of momentum and see what happens. Yeah. Right. So I expect big things from him. Yeah, I do. Um, I think you could put James Washington on that list. Yeah. Um, as a, a guy who's vastly underrated, I think he would be in the mix a lot more for a lot of other mm-hmm. teams. Um, We've brought this up with Washington. And it, I think we did the same thing with Finney like two years ago. I would offer Washington a contract right now, you know, like a two-year deal, a three-year deal, give him a nice bump with the thought of, yeah, he's the four this year, isn't going to put up massive numbers, but might if there's an injury. Two years ago, he led them in receiving yards. <laughs> he's already proven. Yeah. And if Juju's not back and you can get him at a discount, he may play a lot of snaps in 2022, and, yeah. you know, in 23, those type of things. And you may get him a good price. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on the defensive side of things, it's tough to say any of those guys are kind of underrated. They don't have the the Mike Wagner, you know what yeah. I mean? the, the glue guy that is just loaded by. I think the guy who's underrated by Steeler fans is Terrell Edmonds. I think that's a good call, yeah, because he's a quality player. And yeah. People say, oh, he's a first-round bust. If he was a second rounder, you'd all love him. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? and essentially he was. He was, he the, was super late you know, first thirtieth right. pick of the of the you know, first round. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, and just the fact that his option didn't get picked up is not an indicator that he's a failure or won't be back. It's just safeties are kind of expensive for that that pickup right now. Yeah, and you really want to do it with the two safeties. You know, that's a, it's a unique team with they have two guys the same position. Yeah. The Bills are doing option. it, but they're saving money. They aren't paying the quarterback right now. They're not paying the quarterback right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to put the Fifth-year tag on two players in the same position, that's a little hairy. You don't like guys coming up at the same yeah, time. In the same year. The that's, same year. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. And then I, I think my final guy who's who's maybe a little underrated, uh, particularly in, in terms of the league, is, is Chris Boswell. Yeah, that's a good one. He had one bad year. One bad year. Outside of that, he's, <laughs> been he's, awesome. he's yeah. a top-five kicker. Yeah, without question. And I, I still think that one bad year – it's not a coincidence at the end of the year he went on IR or the injured list with a groin or something like that. It wasn't like a bad finger. He's a kicker. He's a, you know, it's a kind of a big injury. deal. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a big deal. And he was levers. He's been an amazing find for this team and is worth every penny, really. Yeah. yeah that's a I great mean, call. When you, when you look at his career field goal percentage, um, you know, Adam Vinatieri, mm-hmm. my favorite guy, retired last week. <laughs> he also kicked in a dome for the last 15 years. Yeah. Too. Um, it had, I think, a career. Make a mark of like eighty-eight and a half percent or something like that. Mm-hmm. Boswell's above that. Yeah, in much harsher conditions, hard hard stadium, hard home stadium to kick into. Uh, he's been good in the playoffs. He's been good in all phases. That's yeah, a good one. Great in the playoffs. Yeah, he's, he's been never great missed in the a playoff kick. Really, I didn't realize that. I, mean, I knew his percentage was really good. Yeah. Um, some guys you want to get on that list are the offensive linemen we mentioned. You know that. Hopefully the banners and chooks of the world all take a small step forward and are just quality starters. I mean, I, I don't need them to be 
you know, Ogden and Baselli. Um, I want Rudolph to get on that list. To be well, frank. I think he definitely he may already be on that list. Yeah, I mean, it, he uh, we'll do this at some point. But my latest pet project is I combined uh, accuracy numbers, completion percentage times depth of target, and he has a very small sample size. But he was at the top of the league. That might shock people. He threw the ball he down the field. He threw the ball field. down the field in the game against the Browns last year. I mean, he doesn't have as many, many passes as, as a qualifier. But his average depth of target was 10 yards yeah. last year. Which now, was that was where you wanted to attack the, the Browns last year. Right, right. Yeah. But it, it, I, I think there's a misconception that he's a Bridgewater, check down, game manager. He wasn't in college. Right. <laughs> I mean, he throws the ball down the field, and he's very equipped to do so. Yeah, so uh, that's a good one for you as well. Uh, But that is going to do it for this segment. So for my partner, Matt Williamson, uh, for Jacob here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lally. We thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.